doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a rock spot, and I'm right away go. We invaded airwaves. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, to all my cool cats and cool kittens. Welcome to another edition of Cool Radio. I just blanked out for some reason, but it's okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is your man, DM Cool. Cool's dude on the scene. You already know how it goes. Uh, to all my cool cats and cool kittens, they try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. There we go. All right. Had to get that out there, you know. But nonetheless, welcome to another edition of Cool Radio. I will be holding it down on the solo dollar tip for another week, but no worries. I will keep it entertaining and educated chanel at the same time <laughs> but nonetheless uh we have so much stuff to get into man we got to get into uh a little conversation that chance the rapper had with president obama we got to get into ebro uh, sorry not ebro uh uh rosenberg peter rosenberg uh getting at drake on social media and we got to get to a whole lot more but before we all do that man uh you guys already know how i do i have some stuff to get off my chest so with that being said, I think it's time to let that dish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed, it is time to let that dish breathe, man. So I was, you know, I was just randomly thinking about this uh, as I was on my way to the station here in downtown Toronto. Um, and, you know, I've had this conversation with other people before. I mean, most recently, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when I went on my epic cottage trip, shout out to my homegirl, Sandra. Um, and I feel like I should share this question and have some dialogue with you, the cool cats and the cool kittens, right now about this. So here's my question to all of you. <clears throat> Would you date somebody who has a kid? It's a fair question. It's a fair assessment. Um, I feel like it depends. Like, and this is totally me. This is totally me. Um my word is not God, obviously. Um, you know, agree or disagree is totally fine. But I feel, you know, it depends on, you know, where you at and where you are at in your life. Um, as far as age, as far as finances, it, it kind of encompasses a little bit of everything, basically. Um, I know, you know, most people who are in like their late teens or like early twenties, they would be for the most part hesitant on kind of taking on that responsibility, whether it's a man dating a woman who has a child or whether it's a woman dating a man who has a child, you know, it goes both ways. But I happen to find that the answers kind of vary and they differ between the genders. I feel as though a man, you know, will be a bit more open to it as he's in his later, uh, I want to say later stages of life. Cause we're never talking like 80, 90 years old, but like, Let's say later 20s, basically. I feel like a man is probably more open to the idea of doing it in his later 20s because at that point in time, he's a bit more closer to being more financially established in life. Depending on what his lifestyle is, he may be able to facilitate taking on that type of responsibility if he does happen to fall in love with said woman who has said child. With the woman, on the other hand, and, you know, I could be totally wrong about this. I'm only basing this on what uh, some women have told me. 
I feel like a woman would be less prone to doing it depending on what her situation is. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to do with finances, but more so more so from an emotional standpoint. Um, I was having a conversation with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago, basically saying how she wouldn't want to take on that responsibility, not because of how large a responsibility it is, but because of the fact that she feels as though there would be an asterisk put up uh, put upon it. She feel she would feel so, and this is her words, not mine. But she would feel somewhat slighted at the fact that this man has a child with another woman, rather than her. You know, she would rather share the joy of having her first child and his first child together, basically. So that's why she feels that she wouldn't be able to take on that responsibility. It, it would be somewhat of a somewhat of a void uh, that would be unfilled. Now, she also told me that. If she had a kid and the gentleman had a kid as well, then that's a bit different because they're on the same tier, so to speak. Um, so I've heard not only her, but other women say something similar to that in that fashion as well. And I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, I I just generally think that you have to really, really like the person. Obviously, right? I mean, it can't just be something where, like, you guys are having some sort of, like, on and off sexual relationship and then, like, it just comes up out of nothing, out of nowhere, basically. I mean, if you do have that, cool. Not judging. Totally do you. That's totally fine. But if that's the case, then don't bring the child into it. Of course, you can say, yes, I do have a son or daughter and what have you. But don't, you know, make that child so attached to your, you know, to your situation, quote unquote, and and have the child think that that's going to be their their new father or mother, basically. Only do that if you know for sure that this is a person that you see yourself dating long term at the very least. Like I don't want to go and predict marriage because no one can predict who they're going to marry. But if you can at least if you're dating this person for at least I'm going to say like six months. Okay, I'm going to say six months. If you're dating this person for six months, and you see yourself you know, going the distance with this person, at least going long-term, like extending it to a year or two years, whatever, then that's when I would say you may want to bring that child more involved into what you're doing with, you know, your significant other, basically. So I can understand if people who are younger would kind of, would kind of, you know, be very hesitant at the idea. They may want to push back at it and say, hey, I'm not ready for all that. It's totally understandable. It's, it's not something that's, you know, that's a, uh, that's easy to make of a decision. But for the people who are willing to do it, you know, good on you. You know, there's people who I know who did who did something like that when they were in their younger 20s, and that's a very big shoe to fill. I wouldn't have made that decision in my early 20s just because I, I basically wanted to live more of my life, basically, at that point. Like, I wanted to know what it was like to be single or to do this type of activity or whatever the case may be. A lot of people who are in their early 20s in this generation, especially have that mindset, and rightfully so. They're still relatively young, right? Uh, but I see no problem overall. I see no problem in dating someone who has a child already. That's totally fine. Um, it's just up to the individual if they're ready for that type of commitment. You know, you have to be mentally prepared to say to yourself, if I'm going to be dating this person, then I have to accept everything that is within their life, just as they have to do with mine. And if that means taking care of or being a parent to said child, then so be it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, it takes a very, um, 
mature person to take on that responsibility. And there's not going to be any judgment thrown at anyone who isn't mature enough to handle that type of responsibility. It's it's not their it's not their responsibility to take on uh, at the end of the day. But if they are dating somebody and they want to go long term with this person, then that is something that they have to come to the realization of. But that's just my opinion right there. Um, what do you guys think? Would you guys date someone who had a child? Would you not? Are you against it? Are you for it? Do you condemn it? Do you promote it? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and share your thoughts with yours truly. Coming up after the commercial break, man. Um, I have a discussion topic. Discuss, sorry, discussion topic to get into that deals with hip hop. Of course, last week I discussed, you know, uh, the fact that there were very garbage rappers back in like the eighties and nineties, and people pretend that that wasn't the case because of all the garbage that they're hearing in this generation. What I want to know from you guys is this: Is hip hop dead? Gonna let you ponder on that for a second. But in the meantime, we have some more hip-hop music to get to. And this comes by way of probably the most enigmatic duo in Canada right now. Like, I'm not just talking Toronto. I'm talking about all of Canada. I'm talking about Black August. And seeing how we are in August, I just booked that. Uh, we're going to play one of the tunes right now, man. These guys are totally dope. Uh, this track right here is called Hardcore. So keep it locked. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum FM hip-hop. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to the show, people. Once again, you are tuned into MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, once again, those are my boys, Black August with Hardcore. Shouts to them. Now, topic of the night that I want to get into, man. Uh, this is a, a debate that's been happening really since the early 90s, if you think about it. Um, but it's also just been more recently happening within like the last, I would say... 10 years, give or take, basically. And everyone is discussing on the status of hip-hop. Is hip-hop dead? Now, I'm going to start off with the obvious answer. No, it is not dead. But let me go into the timeline of as to how this conversation came about, basically. Because once again, this is a convo that has been going on for a couple of decades now, basically. As I adjust my microphone. All right, there we go. I probably shouldn't have even touched it in the first place. Okay, anyways. So... As far as this discussion goes with the status of hip-hop and whether it's dead or not, it's definitely not dead, but this conversation has been happening since the early 90s, if you think about it. Um, so everyone credits from 1984 to about 1993 as the golden era of hip-hop. That's when Def Jam Records was first established. LL Cool J was his first signee. You had Run DMC. You had Beastie Boys. You had Big Daddy Kane, Rakim. Public Enemy, the whole nine. We already know how this goes, basically. And it wasn't until the, I guess, the the introduction of G-Funk, West Coast rap, that's when people started questioning, you know, hip-hop's legitimacy because at that time, they were taking some of the standards of hip-hop and they're kind of changing it and molding it into their own form. And with change comes criticism and scrutiny and people weren't really used to the change that was coming about within hip-hop because the sound was changing the content was changing the subject matter uh flows were changing etc etc and a lot of people weren't really down with that also because of the fact that the attention went from the east coast now to the west coast and of course people are going to be sour about that so that's when people first started questioning as to whether or not 
you know, hip hop was alive or dead or if it was changing. Also, around that time, you had guys like MC Hammer uh, going completely pop with his sound, thus taking away the essence of hip hop, so to speak. Also, Vanilla Ice kind of went to the same territory and tried to basically culture appropriate himself, not because he was a white rapper, but because of the fact that he tried to lie about his identity, saying he how he grew up hard or whatever the case may be, just so he could get some tr- uh, street credibility. Because at that time, that was huge. That was paramount. Um, so nonetheless, those are some contributing factors as to why people were saying hip-hop was dead during that time, or at least questioning. Also, if you're thinking about it, in 1994, when Nas came out with Illmatic, people were calling, that, calling him hip-hop savior because of how strong of an East Coast vibe that that album had, not just because of that, but because of the subject matter, the content, uh, the production on it, everything that kind of encompassed Illmatic pretty much encompassed New York City, basically. And, of course, as we all know, hip-hop was created in New York. So a lot of people will will credit Nas as being hip-hop savior during that time period. Um, But, yeah, like I was saying in regards to um, MC Hammer, for example... I'm not saying he's the one that made a commercial, but with this type of style and sound that he had, he was trying to cross over into the mainstream market. And a lot of people will say that once you go mainstream, you're labeled as a sellout, which I've never really agreed with because at the end of the day, why would you want to have something so large of a force stay indoors? If it has the opportunity to go beyond the borders of New York, If it can go to Tokyo, if it can go to London, if it comes to Toronto, if it can go to Accra, then why not let it, you know? So that's why I was was never really keen on the whole selling out, um, you know, stigma or whatever you want to call it. To me, selling out is when you sacrifice, you know, what makes you, you, basically. So if Kendrick Lamar went from, you know, poet of the streets, so to speak, to... Uh, shucking and jiving, basically. Like, if he went from Kendrick Lamar to Lil Yachty, then you could call him a sellout because he's completely denying his entire identity and what brought him to the dance in the first place. And he's not even evolving. He's trying to get with a trend. If that were the case, then I would say he's selling out. Um, But, yeah, a lot of people have this thing where if you become successful in hip-hop and even transcend the genre, then you become a sellout. Um, So... I really disagree with that notion because if it weren't for people transcending the genre, then hip-hop would still be a niche market, basically. Hip-hop is for everyone. Hip-hop has now become a billion-dollar industry. Sure, we can have that hipster mentality where we only appreciate it if only a small few people appreciate it as if there was some sort of like cult following. But if you wanted to to grow and evolve and become bigger than, than it currently is, then you have to let it expand. You have to let it spread its wings spread out. This is like a parent who wants their child to stay in the house forever and live there until they're like 75 years old. That's not going to happen. If you want your child to grow up, become a man, become a woman in society and develop their own sense of independence, then you got to let them leave the house. You got to let them uh, leave the flock or whatever the case may be. So that's the same thing with hip hop. You can't just say, oh, Jay-Z's a sellout because he now has his own alcoholic beverage or he has his own sports bar or he's, he has uh, his own percentage in an NBA team. No. If anything, that is showing you that hip hop is not only evolving, it's maturing. It, it, it forces people to take hip hop seriously because of the opportunities that come out of it. If you are a rapper, a producer, a DJ, and what have you, 
providing that you have the right business sense and you align yourself with the right people who can help heighten that business sense, you can take your art form bigger than the, the parks or the basements or the nightclubs. It can go bigger than what you ever dreamed of. So I say to people, capitalize on your talents. You know, I say that about anything in general, but with hip hop specifically, capitalize on your talents. And as long as you're able to maintain your integrity and the morals that, that got you to the dance in the first place, then you are not a cello. You are achieving your dreams. You are excelling at the one thing that God blessed you in, and you're taking it to the max. So you are not a sellout for that. In fact, you are, in the most positive term, a capitalist for that. So... Let's just did that that argument that people are selling because they, they blow up and gain success and what have you. That's a hater mentality. That's a crab in a bucket mentality. That's a screw face capital mentality. But anyways, let's keep it moving with this hip hop is dead argument. So over the years, from 1978 up until now, the sound of hip hop has gone through changes. It's gone through changes. It's gone through evolutions and what have you. And every so often a particular region within hip-hop will have its moments, all right? So it started off in the East Coast, so of course the East dominated from, let's say, 84 to 93, give or t- uh, yeah, yeah, let's say 84 to 92, actually, 84 to 92. And then when G-Funk came about, you know, it dominated from, like, 92 to, like, 96, basically. Actually, you could say Death Row dominated from 92 to 96, let's be honest. Uh, With the exception of Ice Cube, of course. Uh, But definitely, they had their run because of the whole G-Funk sound. And then after that, East Coast kind of had the sound back again. But then I would say probably in the early 2000s, the South started to make their claim for the top sound in hip-hop, basically. And since then... It hasn't really changed. I mean, you've had a few artists who have come out from different parts of of America, but it hasn't really changed all too much. I mean, let's go and talk about what happened after, let's say, uh, mid-2000s. So the South had it, but of course, you had a few people popping up here and there. Like, yeah, Nelly pop up in, like, the early 2000s from St. Louis, which is uh, Midwest. Um... I'm going to shout out a random name. You had, or actually not random. Kanye West came from the Midwest, Chicago, so to speak. Um, you have a you have a few people here and there in certain pockets that make their region pretty popular for a minute. Like Houston. Houston was popular in 2005. Houston will never be as popular as it was in 2005 again. Because that year, they they held it down. Like that screwed and chopped sound, that was theirs. Um Oakland, West Coast, they had the hypey sound popping for a minute, not for an entire year, but it was popping for, let's say, like six months, give or take, basically. But at the end of the day, I think everything kind of reverts back to the South. And despite the fact that you have certain artists who come from certain regions, but they don't necessarily carry the sound of the region, like with Kendrick Lamar coming from the West Coast, he sounds more East Coast. J. Cole coming from the South, but again, he sounds East. ASAP Rocky coming from East Coast, but he sounds more South. All these sounds are amalgamating with one another, yet despite that, despite the diversity that's kind of going around right now in hip-hop, the South still kind of dominates because that trap sound is what's being the dominant sound right now. And that kind of goes back to my point about every region has its sound, and this sound has elongated for the last, I'm going to say, five years minimum. Because before then, you had you had, the, you had the crunk sound, you had the whole snap music, uh, you had the sped up soul samples that was popularized by Kanye West and Just Blaze during the early 2000s. The, every every period in time has a sound, and I feel like because 
this sound is now trap based that a lot of people are saying that hip hop is dead. And I can't blame them for that because it's not so much the sound that people are mad at. It's more so the artists who are carrying on this sound that people are mad at. I mean, you got guys like Young Thug, who we'll get into later today, uh, Lil Yachty, uh, uh, Rich Homie Kwan, like all these guys who don't really put any effort or any craft into what, into what they do. They just kind of stink up the joint, basically. I mean, there's that one artist, I probably mentioned him right now, but basically he was on Hot 97, and he was told to freestyle over a primo beat. And he said, I don't want to rap over these old-ass beats. I'm not an artist, or sorry, I'm not a rapper, I'm a star. Don't give me none of these old-ass beats to rhyme over. And when you hear stuff like that, I can't blame people for saying that hip-hop is dead because of the fact that to say something as egregious as that, you're, you're disrespecting the essence of hip-hop, freestyling, whether it's written down or whether you're doing it off the top, is a fabric in hip-hop culture. Hip-hop is not just the music, it's the culture as well. And that is one of the main components of an MC, to freestyle, to deliver a verse over a hot beat. And that may not be hot to him, but that was hot to the people who, who paved the way for you like 20 years ago, basically. So when you have people disrespecting, you know, the, the, the traditions and the, the fabric of what makes hip-hop culture a culture, then I can't get mad at someone claiming that hip-hop is dead. Now, let's rewind the clock back to 2006. Uh, Nas basically started this conversation, this debate, when he announced the release of his upcoming album at the time, Hip Hop is Dead. Now, before that uh, album dropped, a lot of people were debating, you know, whether Nas was correct or if Nas was being a hater. I remember Young Jeezy said, you know, who was Nas to say that hip-hop is dead? What streets has he been on? I mean, as if to say that, you know, being, you know, a trapper or a pusher, whatever the case may be, validates your status in hip-hop, you know? And that kind of goes back to my argument about people giving too short and I see a pass because they had street cred. But that's a topic for another day. Um, I think Nas was onto something. Like, hip-hop wasn't dead, but I felt like hip-hop was on life support at that time because people were ignoring the, the morals and the fabric that came with hip-hop. Instead of doing it for the love and the art form, people were just solely doing it for a paycheck. People were saying, oh, I'm not a hustler. I'm just a rapper who knows. I'm just, no, sorry. They're saying I'm not a rapper. I'm a hustler who knows how to rap. Of course, Jay-Z made that line famous, but then there are a lot of people who were kind of carrying on that mantra, and they're basically just using it as a quick pay, uh, quick uh, come up, basically. I mean, case in point, the whole ringtone rap era, where people were just coming out with hot singles. They would sell it for ringtones and make a ton of money off of it, cough, cough, soldier boy, and then they're never to be heard from again. So to me, that you're again, it's disrespecting hip hop as an art form. Yes, it's a business. Don't get me wrong, but you have to respect the art form. And this is why people all over the world probably think that hip hop is a joke because they think that anyone can do it. It doesn't require any instruments, it doesn't require any type of formal training. It just requires some beat that you can make in two seconds and then for you to mumble. And that's why people would say that hip hop is dead. That's why people were saying hip hop is dead at the time. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Nas was saying hip-hop was dead. And I would say that if there's anyone who can make that claim, then please believe Nas has every single right to make that claim because he's top five dead or alive regardless. And he's made some of the greatest albums that hip-hop has ever seen or heard, basically. So he's very entitled to that opinion. 
Um, and then anyone who was complaining about it, well, are you the one contributing to the death of hip-hop? Because if so, then you need to shut up and pay attention. Uh, but yeah, that's what I uh, was thinking when Nas was thinking that hip-hop was dead. And I was kind of going through that conundrum myself at that time, back in 2006, because there weren't really any new rappers during that time that I could cling on to. Kanye was probably the only exception for a certain time. Uh, I was more into Kanye because of his production and the content as far as his actual rapping ability, like his flow and his cadence. It wasn't anything that blew my mind, but I still liked it and I still appreciate it because of the content and the sound that he was coming with. Now, when Lupe Fiasco came out in 2006, that's when, that's when I said to myself, okay, maybe this hip-hop thing isn't quite dead yet because we have a new cat who's spitting influential content and he's doing it in such a way that I haven't heard in such a long time. Like, he stood above head and shoulders above everyone else. And another thing, everyone was just talking about crack. I sell crack. I sell crack. How much crack you want to buy? I got crack up my ass crack. I'm like, I'm like Tony Montana with this crack. And then you had guys on MTV Cribs who were watching, who, as soon as you step into the house, Scarface is on. Like, it, it got so cliche to a point. But anyways, I'm kind of veering off topic a little bit here. But anyways, point is this. Do I think hip-hop is dead? No. Um, do I think there are a lot of bad rappers out today? Yes. But do I think that there are a lot of good rappers out today? Yes. And the reason why I say that hip-hop isn't dead and how it's hard to find a good artist, the reason why I deny or, or disagree with that, rather, is because you have the internet now. The internet gives you access to millions of artists all over the world. If you have a streaming service like Apple Music or Spotify or Tidal, Deezer, whatever the case may be, you have no excuse to say hip-hop is dead. All you have to do is type in hip-hop, scroll down the list, see what you like, play through it. If you like it, cool. If you don't, whatever. Or if there's a particular artist that you do like, type in his or her name, and then you have their entire catalog at your disposal. I listen to some artists that people probably haven't even heard of if they're not a hip-hop fan. And even if they are a hip-hop fan, they probably haven't heard of them. I love Big Crit. I love Logic. I love Sahai High the Prince. I love... And I, I love so many different types of artists, basically. So even if they're not, you know, the, 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 the cream of the crop, basically, I don't care. I don't care. As long as they put out good music, I'm cool. And if they just so happen to be at the top, I like Kendrick Lamar, then bonus, even better. So... This hip-hop is dead talk. I mean, it's a cliche at this point. It's hyperbole. Um, I just don't buy into that. I don't buy into that at all. If hip-hop is making so much money all across the world, and there are so many people from different nations all across the world who practice hip-hop, who have developed uh, different sounds of hip-hop in their countries and regions, then who are we to say that hip-hop is dead? Just because you don't like what's happening in America doesn't mean that what's happening within the rest of the world is dead either. They just have a different way of continuing its lifespan, basically. But what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, man, we got Trip Talk coming up. We got to talk about Chancellor Rapper's conversation with President Obama. We got to talk about Peter Rosenberg um, bringing that talk to uh, Drake over social media. And then we have to talk about an incident that happened in Chicago. Uh, so on that note, we got my man Jungle King with They Don't. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah.
Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to the show, people. You're now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, it's time for Trip Talk, people. Uh, three topics in three minutes. So let's get to it, shall we? So first topic on the deck is this comes by way of a rapper by the name of King Yella. Uh, he's from Chicago. And unfortunately, during um, the shooting of a music video, he was shot at. Okay, So he was wounded. He There weren't fatal wounds or anything like that. He survived. He was recovered in the hospital and what have you. But nonetheless... Um, the ironic thing about this is the fact that he was shot during a music video that was promoting the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's it's disturbingly ironic to say the least that not only did he get shot, but he got shot during a music video shooting for such a topic, basically. And this has been like the hottest topic for the last two years, basically, ever since that hashtag came about. Um, but nonetheless, he had a few things to say about it on social media, and this is what he said, and I quote, <clears throat> I'm shooting a mother-effing Black Lives Matter video, and mother-effers come and shoot at me. It's cool, you know. I wish you N-words the best of luck, you know, whoever you was. But guess what, man? The devil be working, but he can't overcome God, you feel me? You bitch-ass N-words can't stop me. You dumb-ass N-words Right out the hospital, this ish just happened. Come on, man. It's all good, man. I ain't going to brag or nothing, but y'all N-words hoes. Y'all had me. You could have shot me right in the face, you weak-ass N-words. Y'all N-words didn't even hit my bish. Y'all ho-ass, bish-ass N-words. Okay, so um, <laughs> suffice to say, he was pretty pissed off about it. But then again, who wouldn't be? You're getting shot at and you eventually get shot. But, you know, all jokes aside, though, um, this speaks to a bigger issue, and that's with gun violence. Not only just gun violence in general, but gun violence in Chicago, basically. Because for whatever reason, that is a breeding ground for violence, all right? I mean, up until now, up until this point of the year, there have been 47 confirmed murders in Chicago because of gun violence. And even so, um, just breaking news, actually, before I went on the air... Uh, it was reported that Dwayne Wade's cousin was shot and killed in Chicago. I don't know the details about it, but it just lets you know that it just lets you know that no one is safe in the Windy City. And I've never been to Chicago. I'm obviously not from Chicago. All I see on TV and media about Chicago, you know, besides from the gun shooting, I hear about you know the lovely architecture of of Chicago, the the Chicago skyline and what have you. I've listened to rappers Kanye West and Common speak about the beauty of Chicago. But then on the other side, you have this whole Chirac thing going on where a whole bunch of people who are in gangs or whatever the case may be are just killing each other for no reason. And I don't understand it. Um, I was watching a few clips of ESPN's first take today, and they're doing a bit of a summit hearing with uh, athletes in the NBA talking about what they can do to speak out against the violence happening in Chicago. They had Draymond Green. They had the newest... Uh, signee to the Chicago Bulls, Rajon Rondo, speak on it. Uh, so I feel like, first of all, it needs to be talked about, which is what we're doing right now, which is the important thing. But also, it needs to be resolved somehow. Um, I don't know what the 
gun laws are like in Chicago. I know they vary from state to state. Uh, I know in New York they have a they have a zero tolerance issue. So like if you have a gun that's not registered, then you're gonna be serving jail time. So I don't know if they have that in Chicago, but I feel like if they don't, they need to implement something like that or something that's even more strict. Uh, I me personally, I am not one for gun laws. I don't believe in the right to bear arms. I feel like that 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 second right amendment is so antiquated because we're talking about an amendment that was created in the 1800s. And that was for people who were in militias who had muskets, who had to clean out their barrel every time they let, let a shot off basically. So I feel like if they, if they are going to continue to have that amendment, they need, they need to edit it. They need to make it more modern. So like have a law where, you can have a firearm as long as it's registered and that you have to re-register for that firearm like once every five years. Kind of like a passport where you have to get yourself a five-year or a ten-year passport, basically. You have to do some sort of psychic or psyche evaluation on the person who is carrying the gun. And my personal opinion, if that person uh, has been convicted or charged of any crime, then they are not allowed to have a gun at all. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, in Canada, the gun laws are very much more strict over here, and thank goodness they are because they reduce the amount of violence. And I feel like if America just stuck to that mantra, then I would like to believe that there wouldn't be as much gun violence. Like, There's no reason why we should have people shooting up movie theaters and elementary schools. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for you know, Hucklebuck Finn to carry an AR-15 while he's shopping for plywood at Home Depot. But then police want to go ahead and shoot someone like Alan Sterling for having a registered firearm or to shoot someone like Philando Castile who had a registered firearm who was an educator as well. But, hey, that's none of my business. Pardon me as I sip my tea real quick. But, yeah, that's my stance on the matter. What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool and let me know your thoughts. Next topic, actually, we're going to keep things in Chicago, actually, and we're going to stick to one of the more uh, lighthearted stories that I've heard in quite some time. So Chance the Rapper um, is probably the biggest up-and-coming name in Chicago right now. Uh, he's collaborated with so many of your top artists, and he came out with a project uh, earlier this year called Coloring Book. I'm still not a huge Chance the Rapper fan. I'm not there yet. Um his delivery, I can't really get behind so far, but I do like his content in the subject matter, so I respect him for that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he visited President Obama earlier this week, and uh, he went through a tour of the White House, and he was given some very important advice by POTUS. So basically, this is what Obama says to him, and I quote, he brings me up to his office, and we had a really good conversation about what I was working on. He told me I needed to start selling my music. He's a good man. Even if he wasn't president, if his ass worked at it like Red Lobster, he'd still be just a good man working at Red Lobster. I make money off of touring and merchandise, and I'm lucky I have real loyal fans that understand how it works and support. I don't see myself ever being in a position where I need to sign to a label. So that's what he said, basically. And I, for one, agree with what he's saying, especially in today's climate. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you are savvy with the internet and you are able to amass a large following, then there's no reason to sign to a major label. Because at the end of the day, and this is what people don't realize, if you sign to a major label, this is like signing a bank loan or signing OSAP or Sally Mae, whatever the case may be. You are telling the powers that be, to give you money for a budget for you to work on your album. And they expect you to return 
that money in full and then some, basically. They see you as an investment. So if you don't return on that investment, then you are going to be shackled for a very long time. Ask Tony Braxton. Ask Kesha. They're like, this is when label issues go wrong. Ask little Wayne, for goodness sake. All right. A label that he's been at for 14, 15 years or so, and he can't get out because of contractual obligations. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, being independent is the best thing that could happen to an artist in this day and age because of the Internet. You get a 70 percent return on whatever you put in. Basically, everything else, the remaining 30 percent goes to um, anyone that helps you promote your project. Basically, So whatever label you're on, whatever indie label that you're on. Uh, some of the proceeds go to them, some of the proceeds go to the producers and and whatever. But you get the majority of the proceeds. So especially when it comes to touring, when it comes to merchandise sales, um, I think with touring, you you receive like maybe like 90% of it. And then the remaining 10% goes to whomever was promoting um, the whole tour, basically. But nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is you're gonna get your bank, you're gonna get more bank for your buck if you go indie. And and people are going to say, well, you're not going to get as much exposure. What about Grammys and all that stuff? You're still going to get that, depending on how popular of an artist you are. Like, if you're, like, Macklemore level, then you're going to you're gonna get those those Grammy nods. Some, pe- some independent artists don't really care about the Grammy nods. They just do it for the love. And they'll still get nominated for certain awards here and there. But nonetheless, you still have the power to reach a wide audience. And I think Chance the Rapper right now currently is the best example of that i would say macklemore i haven't heard anything from macklemore in a minute though but he's like the ultimate ultimate example of indie success drake could have been that had he not signed that uh deal with cash money but it is what it is he totally thought he uh did what was necessary and that's totally fine i'm not judging it at all whatsoever um but yeah being an indie artist in this day and age is the best thing that you can do to secure your financial um status basically um, and then just uh, allocating that money into proper investments going forward uh, in case if music just, uh, just doesn't work for you anymore for whatever given reason. So good for Chance on staying indie. Good for Macklemore doing the same thing. Uh, Mac Miller. Uh, so many guys, man. Big Crit is now going to that indie rub because he got released from Def Jam. And I think that's the best thing that could have happened to him because Def Jam did not know how to market Big Crip for whatever reason, despite the fact that the South is a dominant sound, and he represents anything and everything that goes with the South. He is the standard bearer for the South, in my opinion. But that's another topic for another day. Nonetheless, in regards to this, what do you guys think? Once again, Twitter, DM underscore cool, cool underscore radio. You already know how that goes. And then final topic I want to get into before we go to the uh, Flashback Friday track of the day. Uh, Rosenberg. Peter Rosenberg of Hot 97 and ESPN uh, called out Drake, basically. Uh, he, and he called out Drake because of the fact that Drake was calling out Meek Mill um, in Philly and still kind of antagonizing the beef that they had from last year. And then he was also kind of antagonizing Hot 97 while he was performing at Madison Square Garden. So this is what uh, Peter Rosenberg had to say in a series of tweets, and I quote, Disappointed in Drake. Someone has you really gasped, bro. Dissing hot in NYC, meek in Philly, you're an actor, bro. You're as soft as me. There was no need for Drake to re- reignite this thing with meek. He's always been realer than you. Your content is meaningless. Let me explain. Drake is a great entertainer. Meek is a great rapper with a real story. It's not a part. It's who he is. I don't hate Drake at all. He's super talented and has taken hip-hop to a great place, but trying to be hard and stir things up is lame. 
Drake wouldn't have been the toughest kid in my Hebrew screw Hebrew school. Stop. Make hits for the club. Don't try to be hard, please, ever. And before people start uh, going at me, let me know or let me remind you, I don't care what Drake stands have to say ever. So I understand what Ebro is saying. Um, to reignite a beef, you don't necessarily need to do that. If it's dead, it's dead in the water, whatever the case may be. Some artists feel differently about that. It is what it is. Uh, Drake acting hard. I know some of the songs he may say stuff that 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 may kind of rub people the wrong way. Like I got shooters who will do my work for me or whatever. Or you gonna make my guys make you're gonna make my guys make me catch a body like that. Or you're gonna make them catch a body like that or something like that to that extent. So I get it. I understand. Um, dissing Hot 97. I don't blame him for doing it because at the end of the day, Funk Flex was the first one who fired shots at Drake because of the whole. Um, uh, Quentin Miller thing. He's like, oh, I got the reference tracks right here. So I can't blame Drake for going at Hot 97. And he has nothing to lose by going at Hot 97 because they're just one media outlet. At the end of the day, Hot 97 is going to survive without Drake and Drake is going to survive without them. Drake has his own partnership uh, agreement with Beats 1 Radio. So, like, he's good as far as promo goes. And it looks like he's kind of making amends with Charlamagne and the Gods. So we may see a hot, or not a hot 97, but a Power 105 interview going on in the near future. So at the end of the day, Drake really had nothing to lose by saying those statements. And he probably is gassed, and who can blame him? He's the top artist in hip-hop right now, and he transcends hip-hop. So he's feeling himself right now. So I can't blame him for feeling himself, especially if he's going on a tour where basically he's taking a nation by storm and he's headlining Madison Square Garden, what, four or five nights in a row? Something retarded like that? So, I don't know. I can't get mad for Drake for feeling... Well, I, I no, I, I really can't get mad at Drake for feeling himself. I'm sorry, I can't. Normally, I don't like cocky people, but, like, Drake has everything to back it up. I mean, if you're, like, if you were a Bulls fan in the 90s and... The Bulls just came off their 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 first three peat, and you're saying the Bulls are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Then I can't really argue against that because of the fact that the track record speaks for itself. But I don't blame Ebro. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Ebro. I don't blame. Why am I forgetting this? Rosenberg. I can't for, I can't blame Rosenberg for feeling the way he does. You know what I mean? And sometimes you feel like if you see that someone's being too cocky or they're you know getting too big for their britches, so to speak. You want to knock them down a pick or two. And I, I can't blame him for that either. So it's one of those things where it's like, he's right, he's right, they're both right kind of thing. But what do you guys think? Once again, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. I was going to go in on his tweets about him saying Meek Mill is a great artist with a real story or whatever, but that deserves its own, its own segment because we don't have too much time. Speaking of which, it's time. For the Flashback Friday track of the day, and we're going to play that drop real quick, uh, just like, oh, where the hell is it, actually? Uh, where is that drop? You know what? Screw the drop right now. I'm just going to get into the track real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, it is LL Cool J with Bad, only on Cool Radio, and when we get back, we have the Wankster of the Week. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum FM Hip Hop. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to the show, people. It is your man, DM Cool. And you are tuned into Cool Radio, only on MaximumFM.ca. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the show that you've all win, uh, been waiting for. So without further ado, let me get to it, shall we? <clears throat> Who has been entered into the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another edition 
of Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than cash money rapper Young Thug. Now, Young Thug has been quite the, you know, the uh, the thorn in many people's sides, so to speak, all right? But nonetheless, he's getting the wankster this week because of an album cover that he released. Now, he released the title, I think he, the name of the project is My Name is Jeffrey or something to that extent. And basically, it's a picture of him in a dress. And it's not like some regular dress. Like it's a, Well, first of all, it's a dress, okay? Let's just get that out of the way. But secondly, it's like a very elegant dress. Like he's in a pageant of some sort. And he's wearing like a very elegant hat to go with it and what have you. Like this is like, this is like, Sunday, Sunday's best type of dress that he's wearing on a on a hot summer day, Sunday morning at 11 a.m. or what have you, all right? And to me, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I'm going to say this, man. Um, first and foremost, what I'm saying right now has nothing to do with homophobia whatsoever. I love all my people who are part of the, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. Peace up to you guys, because you guys are fighting for equality, just like people of, uh, of color are fighting for equality as well. So I have nothing against you guys. Y'all are cool in my books, for real. Uh, with that being said, I feel like when it comes to Young Thug, he's doing the most to get attention. Like, he's trolling for attention. It's kind of like what we thought what Little B was doing back in the day when he was naming songs after, like, famous, uh, famous you know, public figures, like the whole Miley Cyrus thing, like the whole Miley... Cyrus or Ellen DeGeneres, like that stuff. You know what I mean? So we all thought he was trolling. But Young Thug is taking it to a point where we don't recognize him for the music. We recognize him for his antics. Like what Miley Cyrus was doing when she when she decided to go ratchet for, for an entire year. Or what um, Azealia Banks does whenever she's dissing somebody. Young Thug is doing the most. And I don't know why he feels as though... He has to parade around and coon himself out just to get plays and clicks. What he's doing right now, and he's, make, he's making himself an infamous figure. He's not, be, he's not famous. He's infamous. And he's not infamous for doing something cool. He's infamous for doing something stupid, which is dressing up in drag. Now, I don't know if he has like some sort of... Um, some sort of, like, gender confusion thing going on. Like, if he sees himself as a woman, then fine. You know, I'm with that. But if you're doing this just for the gram, just for the likes, just for the tweets, then do us a favor and cut the shit. Honestly. There are people with talent out there who are trying to get, who are trying to make a name for themselves through their art, through their work, through their passion, whatever the case may be. But you're out here on this platform and you're parading around like a poppy show just so you can get a few spins. How about you rap? How about you write a song for someone and have them rap it? How about you contribute on the production boards? How about you DJ? How about you scratch? How about you do something that's worth a damn for us to care about you other than us trying to figure out whether you're rocking Tom Ford or Zara? We don't know. We don't believe you. You need more people. And I don't know why Birdman is out parading you like your little personal coon boy or whatever. But if this is all just to get at Lil Wayne, then stop the shit right now, honestly. Me being a hip-hop lover and me defending hip-hop to the death of me, it's very hard to do when you have idiots 
like young thug who are trying to parade themselves as if they're the next hot thing in hip hop because of the fact that they have X amount of followers on Instagram and Twitter just because they dress in a freaking dress. Next thing you know, this guy's going to be dressed up in leggings and have a stupid belt on his freaking waist that brights up in bright freaking colors. At the end of the day, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. If you're doing this just for attention, then you're in the wrong business. Get out of hip-hop, man. We don't need that kind of stuff in hip-hop. And I don't want people to come uh, make me feel as though I come across as, like, the old man, you know, get off of my property or whatever, right? But at the end of the day, like, I'm still in my 20s, so I'm not even speaking from the perspective of someone who's been through the storm when it comes to hip-hop. They've seen it grow, whatever. Hip-hop was born before I was, all right? But I'm smart enough and intuitive enough to know that what he's doing right now it kind of ruins hip-hop a little bit. And going back to our conversation earlier in the broadcast, this is why people say that hip-hop is dead. You know, this one, that this kind of type of activity would not be condoned in 1993, all right? It wouldn't be condoned in 2003. Why are we condoning it now? Really? Let's ask ourselves that. Why are we condoning it now? With all that being said, I got to give Young Thug and even Birdman the cosign for Wankster of the Week. Should you get this Wankster, Young Thug? Of course. I'm going to drop on you one more time, just like this. This needs to stop. It honestly needs to stop. Get back to your bars. Get back to your entertainment value. Get back to what it takes to be an artist or an entertainer or a performer or a showman or showwoman, basically. That's all I got to say, man. That's all I got to say. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, the uber-conscious artist or or the the, the pro bono traditional uh, hip-hop since 1978 type of artist. Just be excellent in your craft. Say what you want to say about someone like Drake, for example, but his entertainment value and his pop culture appeal is bar none, and he does a very good job at it, regardless of how you feel about his music. But when it comes to Young Thug, he's just a shook and jiving coon. That's all it comes down to. And with that being said, people, it's time to end tonight's broadcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in, as you do on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, guests, we don't know yet, but um, I'll keep you guys informed on that. But as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here, people. Peace. Cool.